out of Oklahoma City. You're listening to The Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. They're talking about you, boy, but you're still Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where people gather around a table and we discuss the films that you will never discuss. And I think that is also true this week mm-hmm. um, in a film studies course. This week's film is A Time to Kill, A Time to Steal. I don't know. Um, actually, it's A Time to uh, Cast Away Stones, A Time to Gather Stones Together. It's a bit from the Book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah, no, I saw what you are doing there. Um, but yeah, we're going to be talking about that film. We need to identify our voices, though, so you know who we are. Uh, who are you, sir? My name is Dalton Stewart, and yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. My name's Essence Sells, and that's the only line you'll ever remember from this film. It is an all-time Sam Jackson line, it is, to be sure. It is the Sam Jacksoniest of the Sam Jackson lines. I mean, well, I mean, with yeah. the exception of quoting a bit of scripture he's memorized from the book of Ezekiel. Uh, and you will know! That I am here to podcast when I start doing impressions. Yeah, yeah, that is a good sign. So, hey, um, we're here doing this thing, and we want to warn you, dear listener, this is the first time you're tuning in to the Good Trash Genre Cast. This is no review show. Oh, no. Oh, nay. Nary, nary review you will find here, sir. Oh, uh, well, actually. Uh, okay, you will. You'll Sorry. totally find reviews here. I we, just, I really want to say nary. Nay, nay, nor nary. Not, not a bit. But um, you, we will do a brief thumbs up, thumbs down review. Yes. And when we do that, we will try to be spoiler free, but then it's time to get down to business. Right. And and once it gets down to business, we have a little business time cue to cue you in on uh, that. Uh, we will have all spoilers. Spoiler ahoy! Yeah, they're coming your way. We also will play a game somewhere in the middle of that sandwich. And uh, when we play that game, there might be a mild spoiler or two about this film or some of the other movies that we talk about. But more on that anon. You said Nary. I said anon. I feel very pretentious. This is going to be excellent. Good times we had by all. So without any further ado, though, we do have a synopsis from the voice of the Dalton Theater um, via IMDb. Let's hear that now. Written by IMDb users Mad Movie Maniac and Asim316. In Canton, Mississippi, a fearless young lawyer and his assistant defend a black man accused of murdering two white men who raped his 10-year-old daughter, inciting violent retribution and revenge from... A bunch of dumb white nerds. <laughs> That's not what they used. They used the name of the organization, but I'm going to call them what they are, which is fucking dumb dums. There you go. Um, he means the clan. I don't want to say it too loud. Yeah, I don't. I don't anyway, not, a bunch, not, of, bunch of dummies led by Kiefer Sutherland. Not the Wu Tang clan. No, not the good clan. That's. The, <laughs> oh, God, no. The great clan. Yeah, you got to be really careful about that when yeah. you look like me. Yeah. Uh, Woo wee. Uh, yeah, no, no Wu Tang, unfortunately, just Kiefer Sutherland and Red Foreman from that '70s show. Yeah, Ooh. oh yeah, I forgot. I know that really bummed me out. I was like, oh yeah. Well, he doesn't live long. No, he doesn't. That's not much of a spoiler. No, not at but all. But it is. Uh, so yeah, we watched uh, Joel Schumacher's A Time to Kill. I know what you're thinking. Wait a second, you guys just did Flatliners. Yeah, we know. We we Flatliners was an audible we had to call, and I didn't realize that these were both Schumacher movies when we put them on the docket. So we accidentally did a Schumacher double feature. Which is fine. So I guess we will frame the beginning of our reviews uh, in relation to Flatliners, just because it seems appropriate. Dustin, what do, you, what do you think? Which does it for you more? Oh, I like this movie a lot better. You do? Okay. I do. I like it a lot better. I would. I, I think it's a much more entertaining watch. I think the performances, Oliver Platt and Kiefer Sutherland are both back uh, in this particular yep, film. They are. And I like what they're doing more. Same. Yeah, and I would say that much. And it's a very different animal because we're talking about a courtroom drama. It is a very Sorkin-like, totally talky movie. Yeah, uh, whereas... Flatliners, uh, Joel Schumacher gets to play with some of his more virtuosic, uh, you know, impulses. Uh, He gets to be a little bit more showy. Uh, Not to say he is a virtuoso, just to say that he does have some some impulses that lean a little bit more uh, experimental and grand. If he were French, he would be a cinema du Luc kind of guy, I think. He feels very Luc Besson-like in that sense. Yeah. Uh, So with Flatliners, he gets to be more visually playful. This film, as you mentioned, yeah, it is a pretty straightforward uh, courtroom drama in terms of photography, although there's some good stuff. Some of the night photography I really enjoy in this film. Uh, There's some really good overhead stuff. Um, I think you're right. I think 
this film is overall probably a little bit stronger than Flatliners. But that said, I think I find Flatliners a little bit more interesting, even though, I mean, they're both films that are incredibly on the nose and are wearing what they want to say very much out in the open. Um, I think Flatliners is more interesting because there is more room to pick a, pick it apart. I think this is, the, the way in which this gets picked apart is pretty simple. Yeah, because you know where it's coming from. We know where it's coming from, so it's easy to be like, well, this is why you shouldn't be coming from it in that way. But I think it is a tighter film. I, I think it probably could have stood to lose at least 15 minutes. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I would agree with that, that it's a little bit stronger than last week's film. I do think Joel Schumacher does love glistening male bodies. Well, I, I mean, it is in the South, so it's it's hot. It is hot. Everybody's hot. Everyone is glistening this entire movie. Yes. The ladies aren't glistening as much, No, though. Ashley I, Judd glistens quite a bit. She Well, okay, okay, she, but she's barely in the movie. Yeah, I could have done with more Ashley Judd. Yeah, well, always. Yeah, I like Ashley Judd a whole lot. Uh, a great movie with her glistening. Uh, you know what? I'll save that for uh, later on in the show. Okay, there you go. But uh, so, yeah, okay, th- there you go in the comparative category, what we're talking about with Flatliners. Let's just talk about this on its own terms, yes. its own merits. Dalton, what do you think of A Time to Kill? Um, I think it is a, a very fun feature-length uh, episode of a police procedural. Um, I, I, I think it's entertaining i mean it feels like an adaptation of a john grisham novel which i believe it is um yes so that there you go i mean it pretty much checks all those boxes uh i matthew mcconaughey is very good a really great early mcconaughey performance uh, it's not as nuanced as some of his later stuff obviously it is a very much a younger actor's performance but it's good um it's definitely full of energy and passion and um showiness uh it's very big but i enjoy it quite a bit i think sam jackson actually has the much more nuanced performance here uh it's one of his better roles in a not great movie i mean he's had better roles in better movies but i think sam is playing it a lot more nuanced than a lot of i mean the yes uh, yes they deserve die and i hope they burn in hell is funny like out of context but uh, and it is a very you know like capital s capital j capital jackson movie moment uh but i think overall his performance is a little uh, more subdued yeah in, I, I in ways that. that i really like uh especially considering the subject matter um the supporting cast is strong uh sandra bullock doesn't have a lot of scenes either and i don't love her story uh i don't really love what she gets to do but i think she's fun oliver platt He's playing sleazy and sweaty. And he's so good at he's it. He's very good at it. Man. Uh, Baby Sutherland, as you mentioned, uh, I mean, he plays a racist. Yeah, and he does so very, very well. He's it, fine. He's reprising the same role he played uh, that same year, if memory serves, from A Few Good Men almost. Yeah, very, a very similar performance. And A Few Good Men, oh, shit, 96. Yeah, might have been mm, definitely around within four years of each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's fine. Donald Sutherland, uh, his father's also in it. I love Donald Sutherland. He's, he's quite good. He has all my affection all the time. He just shows up on screen like I love him. Yeah. Uh, so the performances are all good. Uh, I mean, this is a, a film that really does hinge on performances and right. Oh, and Kevin Spacey's quite Kevin good Spacey, as the DA. Spacey, yes. Spacey's quite good as the district attorney. Um, but overall, I, I, again, I, I don't think there's anything overwhelmingly special about this film other than uh, having done competitive acting in high school so you know being at a lot of speech and debate tournaments i have seen a lot of scenes and monologues from this movie uh but other than that i I don't know that it's that notable other than for teen teens trying to find something very dramatic to talk about i think the best thing about this movie is that it um never ever has a horizon that you never ever see the edges of the world that they're building. Yeah. That you want. I want to know more about the story about this uh, black police sheriff who used to play for the Rams. Yeah. I Charles w- S. Dutton is hella good in this movie. I forgot to talk. Can't believe we forgot to talk about him. He's so fun. He's so good. But I want to hear more of these stories about you know this one cop that ends up being in the KKK and just what's going on in the KKK in the South at this time. Like that's that's interesting to me. I want to know. I want to know an Oliver Platt story about him getting way in over his head and sort of a postman always rings twice kind of sense. In a divorce court kind of situation. I want to see the prequel about you know this sort of liberal lion um, that Donald Sutherland is playing. Like th- there's 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 so yeah, there's, there's some good stories. Th- this this is one of those stories with no horizon. There are yeah. no edges. That's a very good point. I don't think I, I picked up on that myself, but you make a very strong argument there. 
And so that that was a lot of fun for me. Uh, cinematography wise, it's it's pretty basic. It's typical. I do think Joel does get a little bit too much in love with his helicopter shots, and they're not. There's great. a lot of them. Some of them are good, as I mentioned. There's there's a couple of cranes I like, but yeah, there's a lot of helicopters. There's a lot of cranes, and there's a lot of helicopters. And they're not they're always not great. They're fine. Uh, it definitely looks like somebody who's not from the South trying to shoot a movie about the South. Yeah, like with the soft lighting. Um, and the very soft focus and trying to make the screen feel very humid. I'm like, okay, yeah, I got it. It's hot. Oh, I did. I forgot one more of those non-margin stories that I want to see. I want to see the story of Carl Lee working 20 years, living on the area called The Hill, right? I want to see a story about The Hill and life in there. And I want to see him in, like, some sort of labor struggle. Like, I just, I think that would be amazing. Yeah. And uh, so. Working in that factory work, that he worked at. Yeah. See, that I mean, so like a lumber yard. Or, or I, thought like he, a, I thought he said it was a steel mill. Is it a steel mill? I think it's a steel it mill. It felt like a mill, so I didn't really pay attention pretty, to the dialogue. Pretty sure he said steel mill. Yeah. Okay. But that kind of work would be just i would love to see that story yeah absolutely so, and I, I do love i do love the way that that neighborhood in that area is shot i mean that does feel true to life to me the town itself a little less so um and it feels a little invented yeah and the courtroom is whatever i mean it's just it's, it's standard courtroom can't can't mississippi does not fair. have a courtroom that looks that nice hey by does the way. every state have a canton i wonder if canton is like springfield yeah well they said Canton. i was like wait you mean georgia is this in georgia I thought or canton was... ohio oh yeah or canton oklahoma where i do my fishing oh yeah see there you go see there's a lot of them okay that's that's got there's somebody that's named after that it's gotta be yeah i mean like hence all the lafayettes and fayettes and you know mm-hmm. i mean so we've got we know where those come from uh there do seem to be a lot of cantons is there a famous canton that i don't know not, about? not that i'm aware of dear listener do some googling um and do let us know yeah we, i'm not gonna do that i'm curious yeah because i i, I want to know but not that bad yeah we got to talk about a time to kill yeah we do and so uh there you go that's that's our thumbs up thumbs down review i think uh, we we like it it's fine it's all right i don't have anything else to add to that no, no i don't i don't feel like I, I have more that i could bring to this discussion yeah but without getting into analysis so uh we are want to warn you now or, or rather warn you that's not the right word we want to inform you dear listener yeah, that's that, more accurate that we we have these conversations conversations every week but we want to have them with you and we have them with you via social media dalton tell them where the social media stuff happens well uh if you would like to file a change of venue you can do that over i'm kidding, that's I'm, I'm done with the legalese wow yeah that's all i got um we're on twitter at good underscore trash that is uh where you can find us to talk about all things good trash speaking of all things good trash um we we have uh, one of our shows returning to the network. That's right. Um, Caleb Masters, who you would know as a, uh, a former co-host on this program and also his uh, now currently in hiatus uh, weekly review show, Back to the Movies, uh, is bringing back his annual Game of Thrones podcast to do recaps on the current season of Game of Thrones, which will start this evening as we're recording. Um, so, yeah, that's the cast beyond the wall. He usually has those up on Monday or Tuesday, uh, Wednesday at the latest. Um, so you can hear him <laughs> sort and, of like us. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's a loose schedule. Um, but, uh, so that's, that's what we've got coming down the pipe. Uh, Caleb is going to be on there, uh, bringing that content back to you. That's cast beyond the wall. Um, really good. Uh, so if you want more information about that, you can, uh, get us on Twitter at good underscore trash. We'll be retweeting his content throughout the, the run of game of Thrones this season. Um, and then you can also find us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash GTM. And uh, that's that's where you can do the Facebook things. It's where you can like and subscribe. We don't do a whole lot of subscribe. new posting on the old book face, but I am always there. So yeah. I can definitely respond to you. Um, and uh, last but certainly not least, you can rate and review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That's a very helpful thing to us. Uh, it would mean a lot. Or Stitcher, whichever you use. Um, whichever's fine. Just uh, do it, though. It's it's nice. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Uh, please and thank you. We appreciate you all very, very much. But enough of this foolishness. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. back and this week's game is our favorite courtroom dramas that's right favorite courtroom dramas brought to you by a time to kill a time to kill it sure does have a lot of matthew mcconaughey he's looking sweaty and uh, saying things that seem kind of profound 
Yes, it does. Um, and he doesn't. He's not that profound. No, not particularly. But we'll talk about that here and on. Yeah. Um, there's an on. We got it back. Uh, Dustin, what's your first pick for favorite courtroom dramas? Um, I'm going to pick one that I'm, I'm probably stealing. I feel like I'm stealing because okay. the first thing, the first thing mm-hmm. is Twelve Angry Men. Okay, it's that was the first one that came to mind for me. Always. Too. You just steal it. Uh, it's one of my all-time favorite films. Yeah, and uh, I agree. And, and I know there are a lot of people who like to poo-poo it, and I think they're wrong. I think there are also people who are uh, lawyers and attorneys and judges that actually like to poo-poo it, and they're wrong, too. Um, I don't care. That's the whole point of the movie is sometimes the legal system is broken, and you have to shake and rattle it, when, especially when it is being used to oppress oppressed peoples, uh, when it's being used to enforce oppression. Um, that's why 12 Angry Men is so good. Yeah. It's, it's a reminder that our system is not perfect. And it's a brilliantly shot movie that's in one room for basically the entirety of the film, and it never gets boring. I mean, it, Sidney no. Lumet does amazing stuff here. Well, Sidney, Sidney Lumet was an amazing director. Yeah. I mean, truly one of the all-timers, and I think he kind of gets lost sometimes in the pile, which is not fair. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wanted to say that first because I knew we both wanted to gush on it. And so, but my, I guess my first proper selection then would have to then be A Few Good Men. Also, mine too. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe. which we've talked about on the show. It's actually one of the only episodes uh, in the history of the program that you were not on. Correct. Uh, so, way back um, a couple of years ago, Arthur Gordon, myself, and Caleb Masters talked about uh, A Few Good Men by Aaron Sorkin and uh, a really t- a terrific courtroom drama. I mean, it is what it is, but it's quite terrific. Yeah, I, I'm, it's fantastic. It's so well written. Uh, and the way that they're able to put together those cadences of the question and answer, the legal ease that they're able to use, and just the way – I mean, again, if you're going to be working in a genre that's very, very talky, the way Sorkin writes dialogue is absolutely brilliant, and he, he kills it every time. So should we or should we not be taking the advice of the – what? Uh, Oh man, what is it? Something stupid, but it's like ridiculous in the word he uses for how stupid they are, like atomically stupid. But it's not, I can't remember. I can't either. But it's so. Yeah. Fa- I mean, it, and I, again, I that this is why I'm not a writer for Hollywood. Uh, but it, it's it's amazing um, as as a film, and so I like it a lot. And of course, all the performances are very very solid. Do you have any other selections? I do actually. Um, a, a film that I just I. I rewatched it uh, earlier this year, and I just was surprised how well it it stood up. I mean, it's definitely a good trash movie, uh, but it's uh, 1996's uh, Primal Fear, uh, another oh, courtroom yeah. drama from the, the same year as A Time to Kill. Um, it just is so much fun. It really is. I mean, it's a fucking bummer, and it deals with some really gross subject matter, but... Edward Norton kills Yeah, I mean, it. it's his big breakout performance, and it's fun to go back and see Edward Norton before he was who he was, and probably when he was less of an asshole on set, uh, by all accounts and, uh, and whatnot. I don't, you know, I don't know the man, but uh, I've never worked with him, but those are the, the that's the word on the street. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he's quite good. Richard Gere's quite good. Um, uh, Laura Linney's fantastic in it. Um, Alfrey Woodard, who I love, is uh, the judge. Excuse me, I'm very sorry that I did that gross noise on Mike. Couldn't help myself. Um, it's, <laughs> it it's, it's a rather fantastic film. Yeah. Um, it holds up super well. I find most courtroom dramas are good trash movies. Yeah, they are. And they, they, are. they are very often wearing what they're doing right on the surface. Well, I mean, that they are issues-driven as, you know, texts or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I have to name a documentary a little bit for a favorite good. courtroom because i got to talk about O.J. Made in America. Yeah, absolutely. And that's going to come up a lot later. Oh, man, what a good documentary. But I oh, love it man. so it's much. so uh, good. Particularly part two is what I'm talking about, which is most of the courtroom stuff. Uh, no, most of the courtroom stuff's part four? There, well, oh, I, I, well, the the three parts that are divided out in Hulu, right? Oh, uh, that's right. They, well, which it does they not change actually up the follow order. the parts that are the actual in the structure actual yeah. for the film, right? You're well, correct. and I think they started. They wanted to be embraced more as a, uh, a film mm-hmm. for the purposes of the Oscars, um, and I think that's part of why Hulu tried to make it shorter chunks on their on their platform, mm-hmm. but or yeah, longer chunks or longer chunks, yeah, uh, lesser chunks, lesser chunks, yeah. Um, but I believe it's part four. Okay. Of the five parts that is actually uh, focused on the trial. And it's so stinking good. It's amazing. It's yeah. absolutely. Well, the whole thing, top to bottom, is fantastic because um, it really does frame everything in context. Um, but, yeah, the great pick, Dustin. Absolutely fantastic pick. Uh, okay. Do you have any other selections for uh, favorite courtroom dramas? You know what? There is one more uh, because these films are very often incredibly heavy. I do want to give some love to My Cousin Vinny. 
which is a fun film. These uh, tree utes. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing that's really funny. It seems like there is a wealth of riches for courtroom dramas in the 90s. I mm-hmm. don't know. That seems to be like, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some from other uh, decades, but I they all seem to be from the 1990s. I mean, yeah, you've got To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, I mean, uh, well, Burning Mississippi is not a courtroom drama. Uh, Mississippi, Mississippi Burning. I, I'm struggling to think of other than, you know, uh, a few 12 Angry Men, which we both love. I'm struggling to think of more. Yeah, and there's not a whole lot that I can think of off the top of my head either. But it is, you know, again, a, a genre that is uh, a genre unto itself, and it is a bit good trash in terms of what drama does. It's not the, quite the same thing as your typical uh, sort of drama film, um, Oscar Beatty kind of thing. It, they're very issue-driven. They're very social, um, socially-minded in some senses. And they do they're, – they're, they're action movies where the, where the talks are the punches. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really, uh, really apt way to put it. Yeah, and and so yeah, they, they definitely are in the uh, category of what we would call the good trash. So uh, enough of that for our gameplay. We'd love to hear your picks and selections. We were sort of racking our brains, and we were very much stuck in the 1990s. And so uh, your selections would be uh, very, very welcome for us. Absolutely, via those magical means of social media. But I think we ought to get down to business. It's business. That's right, dear listener, and our um, business is, as always, analysis. And there are things to analyze. Uh, certainly so. There are some problems, yeah. and there are some good things. There's there's things. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead and get, get us started. Okay, well, I mean, just the biggie on the eye chart. There was a lot of controversy when this film first came out. Uh, the French press hated this movie hated it with a purple passion because it does indeed seem to advocate vigilante justice actively actively if not if not entirely encourage it it certainly seems to condone it yeah and that's kind of a problem this this film really does buy into some uh some uh, retributive violence uh redemptive violence and uh I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't buy it, man. No, me neither. This idea that if you um, cannot get justice on your own, the best thing to do is take matters in your own hands. Now, am I saying it is unnatural for Sam Jackson to feel the way he does? Oh, Absolutely no. not. But that's the whole point of law, right? That's literally the point. Well, there, there's a reason why we don't let family members decide sentencing for particular crimes. Exactly. It's never going. You know, uh, victims or family. They, they, we need some impartiality. We do. There need... has to be nuance. Yeah. Now. In Sam Jackson's defense, we do have a thoroughly fucked up system. Yes. And that therein lies the problem. And that is, I think, what the film is more trying to get at. Uh, I don't know. I think the film, while John Grissom's novel and the adapted screenplay certainly do appear to um, support um, Sam Jackson's actions, I think those are actually the issues that the film is... Uh, less concerned with. I think it is much more concerned with uh, race relations. Right. Right. It absolutely is. But it still nonetheless puts together a situation in which Sam Jackson's character, Carl Lee, is guilty and he is not crazy. And we know that. Right. They're getting someone to testify that he is. They have someone else testifying that he's not. But I think we all know that he is thinking ahead of time. He's talking to Matthew Mahogany's character. I love when you do that. And and he's, he's doing that, all that stuff. Uh, beforehand, there's premeditation here. There's, there's definitely cognitive thought. He's not breaking from reality. No. He does know he's going to be in a jam. And we're supposed to want him to get off with murder. And and I think part of that, and I, I think this is where O.J. comes in, Yeah, is I think what the, the case that O.J. Made in America makes is, yeah, everyone knew O.J. was guilty, but it wasn't about O.J. It was about the LAPD right. and how much they suck. And sometimes where is there more societal good and oj going to prison or or an oj being free does oj being free vindicate um the the black population of los angeles yeah does it prevent there from being justice for nicole simpson and for uh, ron goldman yeah 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 and that's therein lies the problem is this film wants there to be easy answers, and it makes the answers easy by making the families of the rapists just as shitty as him. Yeah. 
if Kiefer Sutherland's character wasn't a, a bad guy, and if their mom, and, and I really would have liked to have gotten more of the mom. Number one, I love that actress. Who's That's named, Beth Grant, right? Thank you. That is Beth Grant. I love Beth Grant. I love. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, I could have done with a lot more Beth Grant. And yeah, Beth Grant's son was a rapist, but that was also her son, and somebody killed her baby. Yeah. And whether her baby was a good person or not is irrelevant. Somebody killed him. And I, I, I think therein lies the lack of nuance. Now, where the film does try to find nuance is in, uh, you know, racially disproportionate justice. And I think there's something to that. But it's also making the argument that in the South, well, there's a white guy that killed two white rapists. Wouldn't be a problem. He'd go free. Well, that's not okay either. Yeah. No, that's not good. And yes, these two white men... Uh, are much more likely to get uh, away with raping a black child than a white child. Yeah, they are. That doesn't make the vigilante justice okay. And no. and that's where things get a little bit too complicated for a film, especially a film where there are good guys and there are bad guys. I think a film like O.J. Made in America does have that conversation much more successfully, successfully because it is a documentary and it examines real life and it is able to say there are no villains here. Right. Even well, Mark Furman who is a sack of garbage is a nuanced human being, right? He's just an asshole, but there is still more to him. He has opinions and thoughts and preferences. And even the worst people at the end of the day are not evil. They're just mistaken and broken. Right. And, well, and that makes life a lot harder. I think the significant difference with OJ made in America and the trial in general is that, um, there's a question of reasonable doubt. Yeah. And, and, and the question is, not whether or not do I more think he did it than didn't do it. Do I have a reasonable doubt to think that some of the evidence is not there? And that's the, and, uh, that's and that, the other problem with the courtroom movies. Yeah. Is they do tend to forget that the whole point of trials is not do you want this person to go to jail. The point of trials is do you have a reasonable doubt in your mind that this person committed this crime? Could you reasonably expect to believe they might not have done it? And yeah, with OJ, it's really there. Yeah. I mean – it shouldn't be. It should, it should have mean, been a slam dunk case. Uh, yeah, I totally think he did it, and I would have voted that acquit because reasonable doubt. I would have too. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, absolutely. I've served on juries before. Jury before. Didn't want to do what I had to do, but there was not reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. Not to get to talk about the jury I served on. Uh, it wasn't a murder case, to be damn sure. It was not a capital crime. It wasn't even a crime. It was a civil thing, but mm-hmm. I definitely had to err in somebody against somebody. I didn't want to. Yeah. But it was what it was. There was no reasonable doubt that they had done the thing. And that, that is how courtrooms work. Is there reasonable doubt? Now, the problem comes in, a white jury is going to be less likely to find reasonable doubt yeah. uh, for a black defendant. It, that just is the way it is, unfortunately. Yeah, and and that is really, really problematic. And that is the thing that the film really does want to meditate on. Yes, it is. It, it is this idea that there is a racial disparity in the South and that it is impossible for a person of color to get justice. And, there, and it does d- definitely shine a light on that, and I think that's a good thing. But it also, I think, weirdly creates a situation in which the heroes of the story, despite Sam Jackson's excellent speech at the end of the uh, film, does, good. does seem to be white people, that we need white rescuers mm-hmm. to come in yeah. and do this sort of stuff. Yeah, and the, the speech that Dustin's referring to is, is where Sam Jackson basically calls Matthew McConaughey out and goes, hey, man, you're just some white liberal like the rest of yeah, them. Yeah, you're one of the bad guys, too. Just because you like me doesn't mean you don't see me as different than you. You see me as a black man. You don't see me as a man. Mm-hmm. You don't know where I live. I mean, yeah, you like me, but our kids aren't going to play together. Yeah, you helped me out of a jam once before, but we don't hang out. Right. So, and I, I think that that really, and that really is, there is something to that scene. It's well performed by Jackson, exceptionally well. Um, but at the end of the day, it is a movie by a, a white filmmaker with a presumably majority white crew, uh, just because it's 1996 and it's an American production. I could be wrong. I, I would, didn't do I that much research. I hope that you are. but I yeah. would hope that I am, but I suspect that I'm not. I suspect you're not either. Um, and it definitely seems to be for white audiences. Well, it does. I, I would like to be wrong about that. Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, the way it makes the uh, white folk heroic is that we have, you know, your two drunk sleazeballs. Right, uh, yeah. with uh, Oliver Platt's character and Donald Sutherland's characters, who both sort of uh, come back into the fold on the, of the straight and narrow. Yep. They're, they're inspired by the case because, again, that it brings out this case brings out the best in them. And then we have uh, Sandra Bullock, our Boston um, 
white liberal woman mm-hmm. uh, coming down uh, to abolish the death penalty. There's an interesting conversation about death penalty we may get to a little bit. That is pretty good. Yeah, and then she, again, she's fine. And then we've got our heroic, you know, sort of handsome Matthew Mahogany doing his thing. Hey guys, it's yeah. me. Yeah, and so if the glove does not fit, you must acquit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but Come on now, brother. They are the they are the heroes of the story. And what's weird is that other African Americans in the story are portrayed as absolutely not heroic. It is really kind of disturbing with the NAACP. Yeah, and that's also, that's the scene that really bothered. And me. also what the what the minister is doing that yeah. they're about getting the credit, the publicity. money, the publicity. They're, they're they care more about the cause than the person. And well, that scene should have really been about. Sam Jackson saying, no, I'm going to dance with the one that brung me. Yeah. That's what that should have been about. But what it becomes about is you guys don't care about me. Well, they care about the larger picture, to be sure. That is a part of their motivation, but that should not be presented as a nefarious thing. It should just be presented as another side of the coin. Yeah. And Here- instead, it's presented as nefarious. Right. That the minister is actively keeping money out of the mouths of Sam Jackson's children. Uh, Charles S. Dutton as the sheriff um, gets to be heroic, but it's a very limited heroism. Yeah. It's punching racists, which is its own kind of heroism in my book. Um, but well, glad you that's about all he gets to do. The striking of racists, because there is another murder that happens in the film. That is that- – com- whoa, Yeah. We mentioned it well, – let's go ahead and talk about that real quick. Okay, but the riot, when the yeah, riot begins, it yeah. gets to that. The first strike, the first blood is also drawn by a black woman. Yeah, she starts a riot. She starts a riot with the KKK right. who shows up at the protesting outside the trial. But uh, there are a couple black boys on top of a courthouse building, and they throw a Molotov cocktail. And they don't look like the characters they could be playing are older than 17. No. They throw a Molotov cocktail at Red Foreman, and he fucking dies. And I kind and they, of love it. I love it, too. But that's not okay. But there's a okay. second movie right there. Yeah. That's another movie. Like, it just keeps – it is not part of the narrative at all. Mm-mm. And that is part of the narrative, man. And maybe it's because we're, you know, 20 years out from this and we're seeing the world with different eyes. That's part of the narrative, baby. Yeah. You've got to talk about that. Uh, Who? I mean, be, because um, the likelihood of explosive violence during public demonstration um, and whether or not that that's always OK, even if whether or not it's OK to do that uh, when the, you're doing it against actively bad people is something that is part of our conversation now. Yeah. Um, I'm all in favor of punching Nazis in the yeah, face. Yeah, me too. I, I'm not so much thinking I want to see them burned alive. Well, yeah, because then they, they burn our side alive. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I am pro people not dying, mm-hmm. by and large. Uh, it's sad. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pro no death. I, I am pro self-defense. So yeah. that's what we'll say about that. But... Um, yeah, Charles S. Dutton, I mean, that, that's about all he gets to do, and that's the most heroic thing he has to do. And again, he's fun, good performance, an interesting character. I think uh, considering what little screen time he has is, is definitely got a cool story, as you mentioned earlier, um, but not a whole lot to do. Um, uh, yeah, and, and I think another scene where we see this uh, is Chris Cooper's uh, yes. It's okay that you you cost me my leg because I'd have done the same damn thing, and you, right. should, go, you should go free. Yeah, it's a white cop getting to be a good white cop. But... But it's a white cop getting to be a good white cop for white audiences. Yeah. And that's, I think, part of the problem. So, yeah, there's that going on. There's also a, a very unnuanced discussion of the death penalty insofar as it's talking yeah. about... Again, and I, I'm fine with part of the conversation being the lack of humanity in execution. I'm okay with that. I was too, yeah. Especially living in Oklahoma where we have seen some horrible things happen with Absolutely difficulty atrocious. with lethal injection. Absolutely atrocious. Yeah, yeah. but I, it, it is very unnuanced. Yeah, because the the, the situation... Really, for me, I, I don't know where... I mean, I've never had a real real thorough death penalty conversation with you Dalton so I'll be curious to see what you think here mm-hmm. but for me the reason why I cannot go with the death penalty is because one innocent is too many that's yeah. it same you, you you cannot undo this and there one there, fuck up is too many yeah and I will never ever see a person who was not guilty be executed I just can't I can't abide that I also think the uh, the list of crimes that are not serial crimes from which a person can be re- cannot be rehabilitated is very short yeah um, I, I do believe rehabilitation and reintegration is the best way for us to be as a society I think it is the most empathetic way to be as a society and empathy does not mean only being empathetic when it's easy. 
um, that's a big part of it for me. One is one is too many. I absolutely agree with. Yes. Uh, here's a, a very short list. Uh, Timothy McVeigh. Yeah, domestic terrorists should absolutely be executed, especially when there is no shadow of a doubt that they are guilty. Uh, serial killers. Yeah, a lot of them. Uh, I think some of them are so broken in the brain that uh, they should probably just be put in a soft room for the rest of their lives and tended to to the best of our abilities. But some of them are, you know, not as broken in the brain. That's about the end of my list, man. Uh, serial rapists and serial pedophiles. Uh, really, again, serial offenders. Somebody that does a, a murder. We probably shouldn't kill that person. They did a bad thing, and they should be punished. And they should, but they should also be taught why what they did was bad. Uh, and, and I think that's the, the film's only interest in capital punishment is whether or not it's humane, yeah, uh, or whether or not it's justifiable. Right, and that that's uh, again a, a very very sort of simplified way that the film approaches it. I, I tend to be. A I bit, don't have interest in a conversation that simple. Yeah, because it's not an issue that's that simple. Like, well, let's talk about what's best to be done in a particular situation. Now, I, I tend to again oppose death penalty on all fronts, but I am willing to hear and have a conversation. Oh, I do as well. You know, I, I'm, uh, and that's what I'm saying. Do I think there are times that, that we have used it that it was okay? I do. Does that mean we should keep using it? No, it doesn't. Yeah. I'm okay with warehousing bad people. No, if we if we got to get rid of it for everybody, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, or single murders is just off the table. Yeah. I think that's also a viable option. Yeah. Double mur- singular instances of a murder, it's off the table. Yeah. But uh, the, yeah, the movie does not seem to want to engage with that sort of stuff at all, which no. is which is too bad, really. Because, I agree. Because it, it could have been a much much stronger film uh, for all of that. Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, we, we've kind of hit most of the major points here. The, the, there is one thing that I want to talk about is the film does not really seem that at all interested with the fact that Matthew McConaughey wants to cheat on his wife. Yeah. And it's a very 90s. It feels like a very 90s thing. That seems to be something I noticed a lot in 90s films is the main character almost cheating on their spouse or sometimes cheating on their spouse, but it not actually being much of a plot point. Mm-hmm. And I always think that's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, because that says a lot about the character. Well, I think it kind of makes him sort of heroic for not quite cheating. Yeah, no, the, it gives him a gold star for not fucking this young girl who is not the woman he is uh, committed to be a partner with. Right. That's pretty stupid. Yeah. I mean, don't wrong. Yeah, Sandra Bullock's cool and young and ambitious and attractive, but you made a commitment to Ashley Judd. Yeah. You're going to raise that baby together. Yeah, you're in there. So You didn't have a conversation with her about whether or not it was okay for you to sleep with other people. Right. So, so don't do it. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, and then, again, why is that hero? I mean, yes, wh- uh, how much willpower would it take to not sleep with Sandra Bullock if she's actively trying to sleep with you? I, I guess I can sort of put myself in a headspace, going, okay, I can see where that'd be hard. Yeah, same, but also, but no, but no, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> no. You're not heroic. Taking away the impossibility of that scenario out of my life. Right. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm in love with my girlfriend. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I had a dream where I could have had sex with a girl that I had a crush on in high school, and I didn't. Then because you I'm in you. love. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's stupid. Who does that? <laughs> but it happened. That's too funny. Yeah, I know. But the, and, the, and the film gives him a gold star. I didn't give myself a gold star for that. It's right. a dumb dream. The film gives Matthew McConaughey a gold star for that. And it's like, bro, you came pretty close. Mm-hmm. You actively thought about kissing her, and you did give her a real sweet smooch on the forehead that did not seem like a, a brotherly smooch it wasn't, on the forehead. It was not entirely platonic. No. It was a little romantic. Yeah. And it's okay if he, that he has feelings for her. I think that's fine. I think that's, frankly, somewhat natural. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he actively almost acts on them a couple of times is pretty gross, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, I also think the film is very blasé about the violence done against uh, Sandra Bullock, yeah. which skews sexual without ever becoming explicitly sexual. I, well, a forced disrobing is definitely a type of sexual violence. So, yeah, I, I think the film is very blasé about that. Uh, I will say, considering the subject matter, I, I think the film is fairly sensitive and non-exploitative with the depiction of the crime central to the story. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough watch. It's not pleasant, and it's in the first five minutes. It's very upsetting. But all things considered, it could have been a whole hell of a lot worse. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that we had to see the crime, because I think Matthew McConaughey describes it in such graphic detail at the end of the film that I think that's the real masterwork. That's a much better uh, scene. I think, honestly we could have done with even less of uh, the act that we saw. Yeah, um, I, Because I, I don't think it's that. necessary. I really don't. Um, 
because if you really want to put the audience in Sam Jackson and Matthew McConaughey's shoes, it makes more sense to withhold just how vile it was. And again, it's vile on the face of it. Mm-hmm. But I think the film does itself a disservice by showing those cards that early. Yeah. And I think it, it changes the tone of the film. Well, and maybe this is a way that the uh, the, the filmmaker... It, uh, if it's assuming the audience is the jury anyway, it should have kept those cards close to the vest. So yeah. maybe the film is really is wanting us to be Matthew McConaughey. And, well, and it wants us to immediately sympathize with Sam Jackson's actions. It does. Yeah. And I think it... I think it should hold it closer to the chest. Yeah, and keep more ambiguity. Yeah. yeah. For, for, for that, you're like, okay, there, there's nobody, if anybody, any of us ever cared about, we would all want to do exactly the same thing. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's absolutely just part of who we are as human beings. But also, the, the movie's so crazy because it ends up suggesting that we should do it. And if, you, if it is justifiable in that sort of sense, then you should get away with it. You know, this is another of those things with Carl Lee. I don't know that he shouldn't go to jail. I don't either. You know? I know that what he did was not the worst thing he could have done. Right. I don't think he shouldn't go to jail. No. I'm not mad at him. No, not at I all. I think his family should be taken care of. Without prejudice or passion. You know, yeah. I mean, that's where I'm at. And I was like, you know, I, you know. Just, yeah. You yes, they deserve to die. And I hope they burn. Well, I don't hope they burn in hell. That, let's not get into questions uh, of the afterlife. Well, maybe a little. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> a, a brief purging. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm fine with the purgatory. A little suffering at Eternity's least. Eternity is a long time. Eternity is a minute, yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't wish that on nobody. That's gross. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, fuck those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, forever and a day. Yeah. How about um, I, I hope I hope those uh, hollow points were real unpleasant. The uh, the confessing of the two perpetrators. That's a uh, Percy from the Green Mile, if you recall. I do recall. And uh, that was a different kind of role for him, and I was really yeah. kind of impressed with that very very short performance he gave. It's a very good short performance. Yeah, yeah I actually was really impressed with it myself. Uh, but again, I, I I think what the film. It, the whole point is it should be advocate. Yeah, the, the fact that I want those guys dead. The film should be convincing me that I shouldn't. Right. And instead it says, well, absolutely, you should want them dead. Well, the world's more complicated than that. What about their moms? Right, yes. What about Beth Grant? What about Beth Grant? Beth Grant didn't say and call anybody the N-word in this movie. No. Not one time. We don't know that she's a racist. We know Kiefer Sutherland is. Fuck him as well. But And he should also go to jail. My voice is getting very high-pitched because I'm very upset. (laughs) It's not very upset. I'm just, I'm perplexed at this film's worldview because it, it's... It, tr- it it wants to be nuanced and yet lacks it completely. It seems to me that the point of the film is that racism still exists. That even though we are in, you know, what he's calling in 1996 the New South, even though things are moving forward, it is saying that there is still massive racial division in the country. There is mm-hmm. a massive white supremacist fascist vein that still exists in America. And that's all accurate and true. And that that that's fine, but then it complicates it and overcomplicates it with these additional problems. And I think the best scene of the film is Sam Jackson's scene explaining why Matthew McConaughey isn't any different than anybody any other white person in that courtroom, because he thinks he's one of the good guys. No, sorry, you do kind of have to assume that you're the bad guy, unless Sam Jackson is your best friend. You still got to assume that you're on the wrong, and even then. You need to question whether or not you're actually actively wanting the right things for the right reasons. Right. Um, and the film does says one thing about it, and that's the end of it. Yeah. And then uses it to hold up. It, and then uses the lesson that Matthew McConaughey took from that conversation and uses it to uphold vigilante justice. It, it does. It does. And that, that's really, really difficult. Because that's the lesson these white people learn. Imagine if your white child got raped and wouldn't you commit murder too? Yeah. Well... Fuck, guys, come on. Right. So, yes, it's a fun film, but its its ideology is incredibly troubled and is so scattershot that we can't even really define where and how much it is troubled. It does It does weirdly anticipate, though, our contemporary climate, I think, you know, it 20 does. years later. You know, this idea that the Klan never goes away, the Klan never dies, the Klan only looks like it's dead mm-hmm. and then it comes back. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the moment we're living in right now. Well, and the anti-government uh, skinheads who are only briefly alluded to, I think, is a much more relevant conversation to be having. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
that's neither here nor there. No, really, because the film's not interested in that as much. Nope. So, when that, that's fine. So, there you go, dear listener. We There's a lot going on. There's a lot of analysis. We didn't, you know, bring up a lot of big authors and big writers and that kind of stuff with regard to it. Because, again, as a courtroom drama, this sort of stuff, uh, this sort of film, rather, doesn't require a whole lot of digging because the text itself is so communicative. It's not in any way sort of trying to withhold or hide some of its uh, suggested ideologies, philosophies, and uh, thought processes. So, uh, there you go. If you have any other thoughts about a time to kill we'd love to hear them all but we come now to a point in the show where we must render a verdict so joel schumacher two weeks in a row shelf or trash else or instead dalton yeah, trash. no schumacher for you no schumacher why, why, yeah. why do you hate joel Listen, i don't i actually like both of these movies quite a bit they're i thought fun. they were fun to watch they're great streaming content you don't need to see these movies you certainly don't, don't need to own them. They are not essential. They are not. They do. They are not must owns. They're just not. And I, I'm sorry for that. Uh, I think instead, God, uh, watch Game of Thrones this weekend. Um, <laughs> uh, if we want to talk about more nuanced ideas about race, do the right thing. Um, is uh, for the Sam Jackson connection alone is is a much better choice. Uh, if you want to specifically, I mean, that's uh, about race relations in New York, though. If you want something very specifically of the South, uh, Ava DuVernay Selma. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Uh, great film. Um, if you want a uh, big, loud, uh, fun Sam Jackson, do Snakes on a Plane first. I mean, that's more notable for its weird, like, release campaign, like, the fans making it become an R-rated movie. That's a very interesting thing that happened on that film. You want your scary Sam Jackson? Give me that Jackie Brown, man. Mm-hmm. Forever and a day. Um, so they're just better Sam Jackson movies. Um, even... Uh, a film that's still kind of messy, but uh, Black Snake Moan uh, with him and Christina Ricci, the Craig Brewer film, which uh, I think is trying to get at more with race. Uh, it's got a more nuanced conversation. It's conversations about sexuality and uh, uh, gender are, are a little bit more troubled than it's uh, conversations with race. But uh, it, there's just better movies. Um, th- those are some of the ones that immediately came to mind. Um, I, I was really trying to think of a better Joel Schumacher movie, and uh, I actually watched Phone Booth uh, right after I watched Time to Kill. It's worse. Um, mm. It's It's got a more fun opening and not nearly as cohesive of an ending. So I, I don't know what to tell you guys. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, only Joel Schumacher movie I really kind of unequivocally love is the number 23, personally. Yeah. You know, I mean. That, Which that, is such a goofy pick. I know. Oh, there was a movie I, I referenced earlier. What was it? Um, I wanted to recommend it now. Son of a gun. A courtroom film? You know what? I can't remember. It was at the very top of the show. We were talking about it. No, I can't remember. Mm, I well, I, I'm sorry. I failed you guys. got to reverse it, dear listener, and yep, find out. I meant to keep that came to mind for me and uh, totally forgot about it. Well, but, Dustin, what are some, some films you would recommend? Are uh, you trashing I'm this I'm trashing well? it, too. I kind I, of assume. It's good. I saw it in the theater when it came out. Oh, really? You know, I, yeah. a little young. Um, I was able to get in, and uh, it was fun. And I, I, I like that. I haven't seen it since then. Oh, hey, Con- Matthew McConaughey contemplating good and evil. Uh, True Detective. True Detective, all of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, those are, I can't think of any. I was trying to think of, I don't know, something that really was trying to chew at the exact same stuff as this movie that's just better. And I can't think of something that's quite exactly the same thing. Yeah. Uh, if you want a good meditation on the death penalty, because I do think that's sort of swirling around in the cauldron okay. of this film, I'm going to recommend Dead Men Walking. Oh, uh, well, Sean, Sean Penn, Penn and yeah. uh, Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon is a great movie. Really? Yeah, I really I like always it. thought it looked kind of like very middle brow, run of the mill. Oh, well, it's definitely middle brow, but mm. I just, I, I'm always moved when I watch it. Okay. And so it's, it's just, uh, All it, right. it, because it doesn't entirely rehabilitate this person, and yet, and still. Oh, okay. Well, that's so, interesting to me. Yeah, and it's, it's an interesting thinking of, about the death penalty in general. Oh, I guess if we want to talk about, uh, you know, uh, racial inequality in the justice system, but also, you know, while a conversation that's much more nuanced, we could do Hurricane, but I've never seen Hurricane, oh, unfortunately. I haven't seen it either. Which is really unfortunate. Um, I've been wanting to get around to it for years. It, it never seems to be streaming anywhere. And um, I'm a millennial. I'm sorry. It's hard for me to try to go find a movie. Yeah, physically. fair enough. I'm, I am who I am. Um, in terms of uh, racial injustice in the courtroom, though, I'm going to recommend a Ken Burns documentary, oh, okay. which is the Central Park Five. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's so wow. good. Uh, there's also, did you hear that Ava DuVernay is about to do a um, miniseries for Netflix? I did not. It's going to be fictional. It's not gonna, it is going to be a narrative, uh, not fictional, a narrative uh, series. Oh, like as opposed to, Yeah, as opposed to her uh, film 13th. Uh, but I believe it's going to be a miniseries, not a film. I could be wrong. 
but she's going to be doing that for Netflix. That's one of her next projects once she wraps around. And it's going to be on the Central Park Five? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Sorry, I, I buried the lead on that, didn't I? Yeah, about the Central Park Five. Excellent. Well, that, yeah, I'm all for that. So I'm going to recommend that just sight unseen. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, I'm excited about it. What she does is gold, usually. So I'm Yeah, all man, in. I'm so excited about her career. So, yeah, yeah, she's she's great, great director. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our picks and uh, our recommends or lack of recommends with regard to A Time to Kill. Sorry about you. Um, now, next week, we are going to, again, try to be very intentional about films uh, directed by people of color. And so we've picked, what have we picked, Dalton? We are going to be watching Carl Franklin's Devil in a Blue Dress starring Denzel Washington based on uh, the novel of the same name by Walter Mosley. Uh, based on his, you know, one of the the novels in his series about uh, Ezekiel Easy Rollins, the uh, the Black Private Eye. So it's uh, going to be a neo noir film uh, based on a neo noir novel set in actual noir times, 1948, I believe. I believe, uh, unless I'm mistaken, Easy Rollins is a, a combat veteran out of World War II as well. So uh, going to be interesting. I've I've heard nothing but uh, fun things about this. I've heard it's actually uh, quite good. It's not just a fun neo noir action movie. I've heard it is. A fairly re- remarkable film. That is Denzel. Well, Denzel's always great. Always uh, Don Cheadle's in it as well as one oh, of yeah? Yeah, as his partner, and apparently he's fantastic as well. So there you go. That's your Spade and Archer is Denzel and Don Cheadle. You know what? I'm all for that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited about it. I've been wanting to watch this for years. Uh, so good excuse to catch up with it. We're going to stay in the mid '90s for right now, um, and uh, and we'll, uh, we'll watch this movie that's also uh, about uh, justice. Um, so. Well, I'm interested to find out more. Yeah, it's going to be a good time there, dear listener. I'll tell you what, though. You keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. The Good Trash Genrecast is brought to you by the Good Trash Media Network. Our intro music is Night Call by Kavinsky and Love Fox. And this week's outro music is Crossroads by Robert Johnson because Delta Blues. For more information on all things Good Trash, go to GoodTrashMedia.com. I went to the I believe I'm sinking down